You're listening to The Dropouts. All right, welcome to episode 17 of The Dropouts. My name is Morgan. And I'm Jess. And we are recording at 9.43 at night, so we might be... (laughs) We might be a little slap happy in this episode because we both had a full day. We've never recorded this late before, but here's the deal. I am going to Monaco, which if you listen to the last episode that we posted when I answered, what is a Monaco? Monaco is up north, Wisconsin, and I'm going up there for a week. And Jess so graciously decided to rearrange her schedule and do two episodes within two days and so here we are. It's the night before I'm leaving and we are recording this. So you'll have to excuse our lack of sophisticated vocabulary. Not that we've ever had that, but I think our <laughs> brains are both like meep. So there's none of that on the forecast for tonight. So none just of that. Preparing you now. <laughs> and of course, you're probably listening to this on Sunday morning, all bright eyed and bushy tailed. Um, so yeah, I. That's what's going on with me. I all weekend have been packing orders. Um, Jess said she thought it'd be interesting for me to tell you guys that. (laughs) I was like, I have nothing interesting to contribute to this episode at all. And she's like, well, you could talk about your orders. And I'm like, well, I don't know. Like to me, to me, it's not interesting because it's just me literally like I have people that come in and help me. And we pack orders and there's like a, we have, you know, we've gotten really good at it. Like over the last year, there's definitely been a lot of tweaks to the process. And we're finally like one year in finally into a a relatively decent flow. So yeah, I have like people that come in, the people that help me are phenomenal. They are rock stars. They are like, this business would not operate the way that it does if I did not have them. So anyways, they came and helped me this weekend and I have one more order to pack because it just came in and then I'm going home to do laundry and to pack. But um, Jess, is there anything new with you? Anything exciting no. that you want to share? Did you fill your mentorship, your last spot? Um, well, I forgot to message people. I, I have... Oh. <laughs> I need to double check. I had someone extend. <clears throat> so I need, I need to like go just recheck my math um, when I'm not you know, slap happy. Um, but I just haven't had a second to like go through the whole wait list and message people for September. So, um, yeah, yeah. I've been kind of busy because since we record, we record Friday morning mm-hmm. and it's Sunday night. now. I've done, I've been like cranking out apparel and extra apparel and more apparel. Um, and then some shop stuff. And then I had some, social um engagements <clears throat> so yeah you hung out with your like family today so nice my dad's side we haven't really like hung out since before covid so and i've got a little my cousin two of my cousins had little kids only one of them was able to make it because the other one was sick but mm-hmm. i like this is the first time i've ever actually been able to like hang out with him and he's so cute how, he's like two <laughs> two because they they're both covid like mm-hmm. covid babies <laughs> Um, or like born like right when so weird i know he's so he's smarter than me dude he literally was using condensation in the sentence (laughs) 
I was like, excuse should, me? Should he be our, our guest right now? Literally, I was like, so... I I was just like blown away. He was so smart. He was like hammering in nails at the playset because they were sticking out. So I'm gonna hire him, I think, and he's probably just gonna run my business. I will be kicked out. Malcolm. Oh, that's a cute name. I actually made a sign for him. I don't think I've ever posted it. And same with the other cousin's kid. Like I I made both signs for them last year, and I don't think I ever posted them because I am trash. And I finished them (laughs) at like 9 p.m. and they were leaving at like 9 30 and I drove to like drop them off. And I think I took like one picture outside my house. So that's cute. They were cute. They were like very um different, but Neat. Yeah, so he's gonna be running my business probably from now on. So good. Um, get look at I'll, I'll post I posted some pictures or like a video on my story. People can get used to the oh, new face of the should watch it. He's adorable. He's like blonde hair, blue dyed, and just he has dimples. And I'm like, I might steal you. I don't know. <laughs> just a thought. And clearly, really intelligent, which doesn't surprise me because so I feel like smart. I feel like your dad's side, like <laughs> just knowing your dad and the vocabulary that you're like. I can't even it explain Jess's dad and the emails that he sends her and like the text messages. He is, he is, if type A were like in the dictionary, if you looked it up, there'd be a, there'd be a picture of Bill and right next to it would be a picture of his sister Sue, who is like equally he's, as. He's one of six. So are they all, all like that? Yes. Who's one the black sheep? Math professor. Professor. <laughs> Is, it, is there a black clue. sheep? Are they all just little nerdlets? No, they're all just like little successful nerdlets. Yeah, <laughs> all of them, every single one of them. Oh and my gosh! Like a math professor. There's um. Fuck, I don't even know. That's really I funny. So Jess, do. Jess sent me this. Just sent me this uh, <laughs> screenshot this morning because it was like a fa- it's like a casual family barbecue like thing at the beach, right? Like We're that's so their- casual, yeah, so casual. And like her aunt had a series of like five emails um, <laughs> throughout the course of planning them. them, and it was like an itinerary, and like it it was all like I have never seen anything so organized in my entire life, and it was so comical because I'm like my family doesn't even know what time to show up on thanksgiving day like <laughs> literally we're all like uh, texting my mom like uh you never communicated with us who's bringing what what you know and it's just like kind of a free-for-all and then you have Jess's family on her dad's side who is like literally down to the minute has things planned and it was just really funny and precious yeah and- this thanksgiving i'm gonna have to take a snapshot of like they have like a whole like like excel spreadsheet printout of like times and <laughs> meals and and oven times and like organizing oven t- <laughs> psychotic and i'm literally over there just like eating yeah. all the dessert before oh we even God. eat dinner oven um, times. granted it's because they drink a little bit so i think it might also just but again it's very then they are the most functional alcoholics they, no, they, i've ever seen in my entire life seriously most functional family like my Dude. beach side is just like polar opposites there's like no drama so normal it's almost boring but it's not but i'm just like 
someone goes stir some shit or is this falling on my shoulders because i will do it for the good of the family but (laughs) like like, everything's going a little too well here (laughs) it's so funny maybe when this episode drops on sunday like the sunday that it's scheduled just should share some of those screenshots because i think they're so funny just because it's like the (laughs) most type a thing i've ever seen in my entire life and that's saying a lot because i'm type a but that she's like next level it's like and it's supposed to be it's it's like casual like cool like (laughs) but like it's an itinerary yeah it's it's like you must show up you must be wearing this you must but i know it's all just like and then whatever then it's like and if you happen to be passing when you see us and you can i'm like i'm just gonna show up and just we'll figure it out because you live a block from the beach and like i'm not (sighs) too worried about it I and feel I like being like super chill, but like the preparing and planning in her brain beforehand was like very top tier. But like it was actually like it's never like you know the day of like it's really chill and like relaxed. But like beforehand, that's probably because she plans. That's probably I was why gonna it's so say normal. it's so probably maybe take these tips and tricks, you guys. If you have dysfunctional family <laughs> gatherings, you don't like it. Itineraries, <laughs> itineraries, and a lot of emails and follow ups. <laughs> Anyways, uh, it was just like such a charming thing to see today and it was funny and I think you guys would get a kick out of it because it is, it's like, I don't know, that's like, (laughs) I didn't even know families like that existed to be honest, but anyways, so today we are talking about time management, which, you know, that's a great segue, dude, Sue, Sue. I asked her, I text Jess, I was like, is she like, is she like an event planner or is she like a... (laughs) a very thorough stay-at-home mom like what is her de- like how, how does she have these what her skills full-time job was they're retired now but like do things still like they're busy all the time but i don't remember what her job it was some kind of like administration thing so i mean uh, kind of yeah out. that's funny yeah so anyways so time management this is kind of a part two from last week when we talked about overwhelm and burnout and the prevention of those two things and obviously in order to prevent burnout you have to be able to manage your time and I I thought this episode might be a little dry talking about time management but I have some interesting things to say and bring up and Mm -hmm. points to make and we're slap happy so it's fine and you know yeah it's almost 10 o'clock at night so I don't know what will come out of our mouths Um, but anyways Jess what do you have what do you what do you bring to the table today um not an itinerary for one. Um, no. <laughs> two, I think, and especially following up after the last episode, I think part of it um, before the actual time management part, especially if you are taking time off or you're kind of resetting in any way, shape, or form, it's kind of um, a piece of the puzzle to sit and after that reset, get real with yourself, um, reorganize your priorities, kind of readdress what fulfills you and what doesn't. I think that happens a lot and it's happened even just what, from what I've observed in the those in my maker mentorship program. Almost every single one of them has gone on a vacation this summer and came back and just been kind of um, in a different headspace, a better headspace, I think, and realizing that they want to pivot in some way, shape, or form or reset um, some of the things that they're wanting to do, readdress goals and whatnot. So um, I don't know if I have like a whole lot of, um, I don't know, like tactile 
help for that. I think it really get, comes down to getting real with yourself. And first off, like we talked about in the last episode, giving yourself that opportunity to take some time off, but then um, really take advantage of the time when you come back, not only giving yourself grace and and knowing that um, not only the time off, but um, maybe restructuring how you are doing things or what you're, oh, hi, Bodhi, what you're wanting to do with the business, with your personal life, whatever. Um, take advantage of that opportunity. Um, I think a lot of us get so stuck in a cycle or routine, whether it be good or bad. Um, so sometimes it's good to kind of switch it up and um, readdress some of those things. So I know I have done that. Um, again, I think it, I don't really know if I have anything specific for people considering I think it's very um, individualized based on what you're doing. And that's why I really do like talking about it with people in the Maker Mentorship Program because everyone's different um, and we kind of address it on a case-by-case basis. But yeah, so I don't know. With time management, I know I I feel like I'm not the best to talk about it, but at the same time, I have developed a lot of um, things that work for me personally with my ADHD, with my whatever. Um, one of those things, I know I've talked about it before and we hear about it all the time, but making lists and I know it's like, oh, yeah, well, duh. No, it makes a huge difference. I actually have it in my routine where at 1030 every morning or before 1030 every morning, I sit down and I write a list of what I'm going to do for that day. Um, and I have really developed a routine both within the business and like my personal life in the mornings with going to the gym and eating and all of those things, like even down to when I'm taking my vitamins and that, exa- like, it's very like, I wouldn't say strict. I, cause I really, really enjoy it. And I thrive off that routine, but making that list has been huge for me. I mean, I made lists before, but you know, that I'd make a list and then a few days would go by and I'd be like, where even is my planner? I don't even know. Um, and I feel like I have talked about this before. Um, but even just, maybe, maybe not on the podcast, but, um, making lists, there's, there is science behind it. I'm not going to go really into it. I didn't really prepare a bunch of science for this episode. So if you guys don't like the science, you get a little break from me at least. (laughs) Um, but you know, we've talked about dopamine. Dopamine is the neurotransmitter that I guess represents, um, accomplishing things, achieving things. And um, to-do lists are one of the easiest ways I have found to get what what I refer to as little dopamine hits, but really it's just um, increasing from your baseline of dopamine because you always have dopamine in your system. And every single time, because I will write on my list a shower, like things that like people, normal people probably wouldn't write on to-do list. I write on my to-do list because I love crossing shit off. It makes me feel good. Literally from a neurotransmitter standpoint, I feel great when I cross something off. I noticed that, like the days that I, before I started making a list every single day when it wasn't as consistent, the days where I didn't make lists, the days where I just kind of flew by the seat of my pants, I kind of felt like crap. I felt like I wasn't getting anything done, even though I was, it just, 
you kind of sometimes you get to the end of the day and you're like did I even get anything done today it's like well yeah because you got you did things that like if you didn't do them I mean I don't know but um one of the things that I've found that making those lists help and um I know again I've talked about this with people in the maker mentorship program and people who have reached out to me about things to help with like ADHD and whatnot but it keeps like my brain traffic a little bit more clear because otherwise I have in my head it's moving a million miles an hour I'm like I gotta do this and this and this and they're usually like not big things like I don't even know like something like I need to dust this shelf or whatever like it's, it's like so stupid but it's still floating around in my head until I write it out. So when I write things out on a list, then I can focus on the task at hand and not all the tasks that I need to get done. So that has helped me immensely with time management, just having a complete list of the things I'm, I need to do and prioritizing them. Because I think, at least for me, the easiest way <laughs> to have shitty time management is to just randomly pick tasks that pop up in my head and I jump back and forth and then it's not efficient. And then I'm like, oh, I totally forgot about this super important thing. And I've been doing these unimportant things first and really just prioritizing the tasks that I have to do. So I know it sounds like a very like duh kind of thing, but I feel like there are a lot of people that don't make the lists and whether you have ADHD or not, um, like I said, there is science behind it. And I, again, I don't have a lot of that prepared. Go check out the Huberman Lab podcast. He's my favorite science podcaster in the world. I feel like I mentioned it a lot, but we'll um, link, we'll link it in the show notes. Does he have a specific we'll one about it. time management that there, he talks about? Oh yeah. One there's, that a you, couple, yeah. there's a couple, there's a couple, I don't know if it's like labeled that, but there's, mm-hmm. um, there's the one about, or there's a couple about motivation. I think that kind of falls into the fight or into time management. I know we've had a podcast about kind of doing the damn thing. And we talked about the five second rule for when you're kind of having trouble with doing the damn thing. But um, he did talk about some of that and like the dopamine and all of that in the motivation episodes. So mm-hmm. we can list that. And I, and I'm pretty sure there's one that's more directly correlated with time management but Mm -hmm. that is like one of the things that I use more than anything else are lists and I know I've had you know this is obviously a topic I talk about or we talk we discuss with a lot of the people in my mentorship program and they ask like well do you like would you recommend like blocking out you know like literally planning your day hour by hour I used to do that in college it never worked out for me. It really didn't because, well, back then I just, I was very, very unfocused. I wasn't very, I I was undiagnosed with ADHD. I had absolutely no idea I had it. Um, so I wasn't very, I guess, internally or cognitively aware of how my focus works and in ways that it doesn't work very well and how I can kind of manipulate it better. Just being more mindful about it, I guess. And I would plan it. I would literally print out pieces of paper, like basically like an Excel sheet almost with like each square being like 30 minutes or even 15 minutes. I'm pretty sure I broke it down to at one point. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> literally. I'm going to call my aunt and be like, listen. <laughs> um, the genetics like, are actually, strong though, in you guys. 
damn it. Sorry to interrupt, but I'm yeah. just like, are you, like there are signs. <laughs> Susan, <laughs> show yourself. <laughs> it did not work for me. I don't have the, I didn't have the discipline and focus. And I, that's the thing though. I mean, I, I know one of my weaknesses is being unrealistic with what I can accomplish in a period of time. Mm-hmm. It's something I've always been not great at. I think I'm better now than I used to be for sure. But that was like one of my biggest weaknesses. So when I'm sitting and I'm planning out every and then I would never leave breaks or like, you know, time periods in between for like leeway if I, you know, something ran longer or whatever. So then like, you know, I had something planned for 30 minutes, it would take 45 minutes or an hour. And then the next thing, like then I'm just backed up. And then at the end of the day, I feel like I've failed. And then it's just a lot of negativity, a lot of internal dialogue of like, you can't even stick with a schedule. Like it, it, it just snowballs. Right. And I tried that for a lot longer than I should have. I think I was just kind of desperate to be super organized and just the act of scheduling all of those things out and trying to organize it made me feel good, but then it completely backfired. So that has never worked for me. They have asked, like, should I block out certain times and, like, schedule things out very specifically? And I'm like, for me, that doesn't work out super well when it's specific. I don't think it's a bad thing to, like, in my Google Calendar, like, if I have a certain time period where I, like, I need to be in the shop, I don't schedule and, like, plan out, okay, from this time to this time, you're going to be sanding these pieces and then you're going to paint and then whatever. No, I mean, there are some times where I literally will put it in my schedule, mostly also so I don't schedule other things and I can visually see, okay, I'm going to be in the shop for this long and then kind of play it a little bit more by ear and then I'll take my list in there and I'll prioritize and do things as needed. But um, I know, I again, I'm not like a mom. I don't really have like I mean I have a lot on my plate but I know I don't have as much as a lot of people so I'm, I know it's a lot different for people who are moms and have kids who are napping and they're you know their nap time is like the only time they get in the shop and all of those things but um, I mean ultimately do what works for you there's lots of different methods of time management I know like I said that one doesn't work for me personally in a super specific sense. I don't, like I said, I think it can set, it can be a little counterintuitive if you're like over organizing your day and over scheduling things because shit happens, you know, like we, we might estimate painting will take 30 minutes or whatever. And then it ends up taking like an hour and a half, two hours because something wrinkled, you have to resand. It's the same kind of principle, you know, I, I, and I know at least for me again, I, I, I'm a little unrealistic with how long things will take. So that's never worked for me. If you're someone that's very good at that, then maybe that is something that will work for you. So, um, you know, try try things. And if they don't work, then recognize that and uh, give yourself some grace. Because, like I said, that stuff doesn't work for me. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. um, yeah. What would you say working with, now that you've worked with a- – multitude of people what what would you say is people's biggest hurdle when it comes to time management like what is what do you see consistently be something they bring to the table where either you're able to identify an issue or just the way they're operating 
or what's the number one complaint from people? I would say a lot of it does is is along the same lines of underestimating how long things will take. Yeah. Yeah. And that alone. So the scheduling things like every like like literally from like 7 a.m. to whatever, like every 15 minutes, that doesn't work for me. But what does work for me and I have it, it's actually a sheet in my master spreadsheet template that I sell. And a lot of people use the quote calculator from there is another sheet that I know some people use and like absolutely love it. But I'm sure a lot of people you know, a lot of people realistically bought it for the quote calculator and they might only use it for that and that's fine, but it's developed. It's, it's the, the theme of it or the structure is something I derived from my time in research. It's called a Gantt chart, G-A-N-T-T. Um, let me see if I can like pull it up. Maybe I can describe it a little better when I'm looking at it, but I will take a project and I will break it into very um, manageable steps. Like I have never done well with being like, all right, go in the shop and you're going to paint, you're going to sand. You're like, I like to be specific, but I like to break it down into very honestly, like small things like stain these four pieces for this frame or whatever. And I think that does kind of come full circle with the whole, list thing because then I get to cross more things off (laughs) and then I feel like I'm doing a lot and I know it sounds kind of cheesy but like I said and I will I will find the episode that he talks about it but there is literally science behind that and even subconsciously that will drive you to be more productive when you are accomplishing more things so I like breaking things down into these more manageable things so like for the sign I I broke it down into um, like I'll take a order. I will put it in like the title thing and then I will break it down. So it says finalize font, cut the welcome, prime the welcome, paint and top coat the welcome, whitewash the backer, seal the backer, glue up, um, photograph and then pack and ship. So there's like what, 10 things there. Um, And what and then next to it like there's a calendar basically so i will schedule each of those things on a specific day granted a lot of them are like on the same day um but what's nice about this and again i've used this in research because well that's just what a lot of research labs will use as a chart like this um and at the top it will total up all of the tasks i have scheduled for that day and when I first started using it, and again, this happened back when I was in doing research, I was like, okay, literally there was one time where I looked and it's like, you have 45 tasks for today. And granted, some of them like cut the welcome and prime the welcome are pretty quick, but some of them aren't as quick, like sanding an entire nightstand or this or that, like that stuff takes time. So 45 of those things, say each of them takes, or most of them take, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes, but a couple of them take a long. I mean, that's like a lot. That's a lot of tasks. So it helps me become a little bit more realistic of what I can accomplish. So I'm not setting myself up for failure in the end. But mm-hmm. a few of the people in the maker mentorship program, to answer your question, came to me and they're like, I started using this. And it was mind blowing because they kind of had the same realization where they overestimated how much they could get done in that day. And it was able, they were able to become a little bit more, um, 
pragmatic with what they could accomplish. And kind of along those lines, I will always have like a non-negotiable. And I, lo- I know a lot of makers do this as well, where it's like, okay, this is my non-negotiable or I have one or two non-negotiables where like I'm getting this done, no questions asked. It's non-negotiable, right? Mm-hmm. And then the rest of it is kind of um, like a cherry on top. So mm-hmm. um, those kind of a combination of those things help set me up for success with the time management. If you have my um, master spreadsheet template thing and you haven't tried that like progress, um, I think it's that's what it's called on the template page. Um, I have a video kind of describing it. I would try it even just for a couple projects and see how it works for you. Everyone in the mentorship program or otherwise that has come to me talking about that sheet specifically said it was extremely helpful more so than they thought it would be because at first it's like, what the fuck is this, you know? Um, but that, that has been, I think it's like an overall theme for pretty much anyone in the mentorship program where they are like, I, like, how do I become a little bit more realistic with things? Cause the painting will always take longer than I think. And I'm like, well, a lot of that comes down to experience, right? Whether you're a maker, woodworker, or do other things, just experience of like, how long do certain tasks take? Granted, it's not going to be the same every time, but things can reapply to other situations and you can have a better idea when estimating how long certain things will take once you've done it, you know, however many times. So um, one of the pieces of that puzzle, I think, is um, like timing, how long things take. I know when I started um, with my quote calculator, when I made it originally for myself and like doing like actually paying attention to labor hours and how much I was charging, I would sit and I would either with like a stopwatch or something, I would literally write down how long things took me. Um, And now I have a much better idea of estimating how long things will take me, whether it's directly for an order um, as it relates to quoting someone um, or just really any task. So just being more mindful because I know I get really lost in the shop sometimes like I mean, and I like it. That's part of the reason I love woodworking is I can kind of escape from um, other, my mind just going in a million directions, but, you know, time still exists. So being a little bit more mindful of how long things take you so you can better estimate it in the future, which again, sounds Mm -hmm. like duh, but we don't do that often. Mm -hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know for me, I always way overestimated what I was able, what I thought I could accomplish in a day. And then it would feel really overwhelming and daunting and um, discouraging. And if I would have just taken a step back and been realistic with what Mm -hmm. any human being could accomplish in a day, um, that burnout and overwhelm would have been avoidable just in that aspect alone. So, yeah. I think, yeah, writing out to like a whole to-do list. Like when I'm sitting down and I just have so many things in my head, I'll write them all down. Like I used to write them all down in like the one day that I'm like whatever day I'm on. And then I inevitably won't get to everything. And then I just feel like shit because I'm having to like push things to the next couple of days when I could have set myself up the opposite way. I could have scheduled some of those, you know, pri- like prioritize and schedule some of the non-important things for a few days down the road. But mm-hmm. guess what? If I finish everything in that day, and I feel like working ahead, I can. So you're, it's like uno reverse. And now you're feeling extra productive rather than 
you know, oh, I can't even schedule a day and get my shit done. And now I feel like trash. And then that just carries on to the next day and the next day. So that's something that I have started to do or not started, but I've done, I think more recently, um, once I've become more, um, mindful of time management, which again, I never really did before being full-time with the business really gave me a whole new perspective and appreciation for my time Mm -hmm. in all aspects of my life. But, um, that's kind of what I, I try to do that. So I'm setting myself up for success rather than inevitable, uh, failure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or the feeling thereof. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's usually really not that big of a deal, but it does feel like shit and it will manifest in more ways than I think we realize. I just did a lot of talking. Holy shit. Okay. That's the point. (laughs) It's a podcast, baby. That's the point. All right. Well, are you, are we in the clear for me to do my- Yeah, you unload all of your- Shabamble? I don't know. Shabamble, yes. My- thing is that we all have access to the same 24 hours in a day, right? So why is it that some people seem to have all this leisure time and are really, really good at doing all the things they want to do? And then others uh, are chronic procrastinators and struggle to get it all done. So how are some people leveraging their time while others are at the mercy of literally down to the minute all the time? And the thing is, is that we all have the same 168 hours in a week. So when it comes to time, successful people and people who are not successful, nobody has the upper hand when it comes to time, right? Like you can't look at anyone who's been successful and say, well, you had more time than me. Like they might be at an advantage in other aspects of their life, but time is unconditional no matter where you sit, no matter who you are, no matter where you're from on this planet, we all have access to the same time. So... How are some people thriving with that time and how are some people barely surviving? And obviously that's where time management comes in or lack thereof. The first thing I want to point out is that time in the way that we view time is an illusion. We've completely made it up, right? Like what is an hour? What is a minute? It's an illusion of something that we can control or manipulate to our advantage. And we have time for societal reasons, right? So that like sleep cycle, uh, you know, hours of the day that the whole world can kind of be on board in the same time. You know what I mean? Like it, it's to our advantage to have something across the globe that we can rely on that everybody knows, you know, it's this time in China, it's this time here, it's this time in Texas, whatever. But the thing is, is we have to shift from the mindset of time and the societal construct of it and trying to manage it and realize that we are not managing time. We're managing ourselves. We're managing us. And like I said, I know some people might be like, what's the difference? You're just leaning into semantics. But the thing is, is once we take responsibility for how we're managing ourselves, then we can take ownership for the results that we're getting, right? So like I've said this before, I'm guilty of it. And I know probably every single person has said this when we say there's just not enough hours in the day. But that's like in all actuality, it's an absolute illusion and delusion because it's just that we're not managing ourselves efficiently. And when we place our outcomes, when we say there's just not enough hours in the day, it's taking the responsibility away from us and placing it on a 
on a concept, right? Like it's it's almost like displacing the responsibility for how we're managing ourselves because we're blaming it on time or lack thereof. When in all actuality, it's just that we're not good at managing ourselves within time. And so the reason that I say that is because once we start to take accountability for how we're operating, then we can start to be more efficient. But when we blame time or lack thereof time or say things like that, then we're misplacing the responsibility. That's why I bring it up. So the next thing I want to point out is that time is our most precious commodity. And if you've ever listened to my podcast called The Daily Dash, you've heard me say this before, but time is our most precious commodity. And I'm not saying the sense of a minute or an hour, but I'm talking about our lifespan. And the time that we have to be physically present on this earth is indeed finite. It will come to an end for every single person on this planet. And so most of us don't know when that's going to be, which makes it even more valuable. So time is the only commodity that we have that we cannot get more of. We can't make more of it. You can't make more, you can't earn more, and you can't manifest more. So when you spend your time, it is gone. It's behind you. You don't get it back. So the question becomes, how do you choose to invest in the time that you have? Is it going to be with things that fill you up or is it going to be with things that drain you? Because how you choose to invest in your time that you do have will be very telling with like the results that you get out of your life. In our last episode, we talked about burnout and overwhelm, which I described as like fraternal twins. And I believe that when we encounter the feelings of burnout and overwhelm, it's because we're doing too much of the things that drain us and not enough of the things that replenish us. And then you can go listen to our episode, the self-care episode, because we talk about this too in that episode about self-care and you have to do things that fill your cup, right? So I think the question that comes to most people's minds when the topic of time management comes up is how can I be more efficient with my day so that I have more time to do things that I enjoy, right? That's what we're always craving is like, how can I have more leisure time? How can I create more time so that I can enjoy life? And it's it's the biggest hangup for people, right? Because when we're feeling unbalanced or out of harmony with our life, it's because we're not getting enough of what we need. And this is where enter from stage left, productivity comes in, and then enter from stage right, discipline comes in. And when discipline and productivity get together, that's a stellar show. And the more organized and the more disciplined that you become, the more quote-unquote free time you're going to find that you have. And it really honestly... The bare bones of it all is discipline and productivity. And time management is not a topic that most of us have been taught, right? Like nobody sat down with us when we were little kids and said, like, this is the most efficient way to spend your time. We've never had that. Before I go any further, I'm going to talk. I know I said time management is not really a thing that we're managing ourselves within time, but for the sake of continuity of just speaking, I'm going to say time management. And you guys know what I mean. Time management is not something we've been taught um, for the most part, unless the only thing I can ever think of was study techniques and how to spend your time studying. But other than that, I haven't been taught how what's the most productive hour of the day to be working or um, why it's important to take breaks. I've never been taught those things. And most of us haven't. So we never have taken the time to sit and look at ourselves and reflect on like, huh, is how I'm operating on a day-to-day basis actually constructive? And because we never really reflect on how we manage ourselves, in turn, it becomes reactionary. Our state of existence becomes so reactionary to everything because we've never reflected on 
if we're being efficient. And so for a long time, I identified as being a procrastinator. So many people identify as being a procrastinator, right? I try not to identify as that anymore, as it being a core trait of mine, as it being a core part of my identity. And simply, I recognize it as a pattern of behavior that I succumb to if I'm not being diligent. But when I label myself as a procrastinator, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to fulfill and live up to that expectation of myself because now I am a procrastinator. So what am I going to do? I'm going to be a procrastinator. Instead of just saying, I'm not a procrastinator, it's just a habit. It's a habit loop. It's a behavior that I fall into as a default if I'm not conscious of how I'm spending my time and intentional. And Carl Pearson has this quote. It says, that which is measured improves. That which is measured and reported improves exponentially. So kind of along the terms of what Jess was talking about with her Gantt. Is that what it's called? Gantt sheet? Gantt chart, yeah. Gantt chart. Um, it's kind of along the lines of that. But what what does that mean, right? So it means most of us don't have great time management skills because we've never made it a priority to actually measure what we currently do with time, much less reflect on it and then record it. So how do you know where to improve or what you need assistance with or where your weaknesses are if you don't even know what you're currently doing with your time. So many of us complain that we don't have time to go to the gym, for example, or start a business or pick a new hobby. But then we're looking at our screen for an embarrassingly revealing amount of time, just mindlessly, (laughs) seriously. And so so is it- Is it really that we don't have time to go to the gym or is that we've been frivolous with our time and haven't been paying attention and intentional with our time? And uh, it's mostly the latter, right? So Laura Vanderkam is an author who has, she's got, I think, like maybe four books um, on how successful people leverage their time. And I'll link all these in the show notes too. But she encourages people to start to track their time unaltered. Like, be very honest with yourself. Be realistic. Just like just like if you're about to go on a diet or change your diet, you start to log your food to see where your calories are at, where your macros are at, whatever. So you need to start to actually log your time. So if you sit on Facebook for three hours, there's no shame in that. We're not going to shame ourselves because of that. But we want to be mindful of it. So we write it on our log so that at the end of the week, when we start to add up where where's our time actually going, we can sit and look, oh, look, I'm actually, I spent 10 hours on Facebook this week, or I spent 10 hours on TikTok. That's 10 hours I could have been taking to start the business. 10 hours is a lot of time, or 10 hours in the gym, or 10 hours uh, spending time with your family, right? So is it that we don't have time, or is it that we're just misplacing what we do with it? Um, so... She encourages people to do this because it really does give a holistic perspective on where your time is going. And if you don't know how you're currently spending your time, how are you going to know where you need to alter anything? You need good data to be able to do this. So it is revealing because you'll start to see where your story is and what your story is that you're telling yourself, how much you inadvertently lie to yourself or justify the narrative that you don't have enough time. And one thing she says in relation to like exercising, and when I say this quote, it's she's talking about exercising, but you could really replace this with anything, starting a business or having a date night or with your spouse or whatever. But she says, exercise takes a lot of time only in our explanation of why we're not doing it. And what she means by that is exercise takes like an hour of your day. Most for most people, by the time you drive to the gym, do what you need to do 
get on the cardio machine, do your lift or whatever. Like however you choose to exercise, get on the Peloton. Pelotons, you're you're gonna be on there for 30 minutes tops because your lungs are gonna be on fire. I'm just saying for personal experience. But the whole thing <laughs> As we're is, out of breath talk. <laughs> right. It's because I'm I'm talking a mile a minute. I feel like I'm Eminem protege right now. But um <laughs> Buster Rhymes. Uh I'm I'm really when I get tired, I talk very, very, very rapidly. So I hope you guys are able to keep up with my. They can my slow battle. it down. They can slow it down on whatever service they're using. I speed things <laughs> you can up. Do they that. Can it slow might it sound down. creepy, but um, <laughs> so so the whole thing is is like we like to make the excuse we don't have time, but really, does it take that much time? No, it doesn't. And so when she says like for her, she's huge in exercise. And she says, I don't say if I'm going to exercise that day, I change it to when, because it takes the debate out of it. Right. you like, it's not like, Oh, sh- should I, or shouldn't I? It's no, I'm doing it. It's just a matter of when am I doing it? And then you take the whole debate out of the thing that you are so analytically trying to run away from and justify why you don't have enough time to do it. Like I said, this doesn't just have to be exercise. It could be starting the business that you've wanted to start or, you know, spending, uh, three nights a week doing something fun with your kids, whatever it is, right? So it's just really revealing when we start to log our time, what the, what we're actually doing with it, and then what is the narrative that we're telling ourselves that is not supported by what we're actually doing with our time. Sometimes the truth hurts, right? But the truth will also set you free. So we've established if you want to improve your relationship with time, you have to know where you're currently spending it. So you have to track it. And she recommends three times a day to just go through that third of your day and track where you spent your time. She's like, and people will say to me, oh my gosh, it takes so much time. She's like, I take one minute and I just go through the third of my day and I track what I did. She's like, it takes me three minutes a day, roughly. She's like, about the same time it takes for you to brush your teeth. So there's really no excuse for you to not be a, other than- you don't want to know, right? Like the denial of it. But there's really no excuse for you to not be not be tracking what you're doing. And to be honest with yourself, because honesty is going to be <laughs> the root of how you change. Um, if you want to change, right? I'm assuming if you're listening to this episode, you are hoping for some tips and tricks to be more efficient. So they did a study too, where they asked 900 people what their relationship with time felt like to them. So most of the answers were either people felt starved for time or they felt very relaxed in relation to time. And she had all 900 people turn in a time log that they did. And what they found is that those who reported a feeling of being very relaxed in the relationship with time checked their phone half as often as those who felt starved for time. So get honest with where you are investing your time and where it's not productive. And I do this thing where uh, I, if I start scrolling on my phone, because all of us do it, I don't care who you are. Most of us pick up our phone and whether it's the news, whether it's Facebook, whether it's, I'm a TikTok. I love watching TikToks because it's like the one minute clips done, you know, that dopamine hit, flip, next one, dopamine hit, flip, next one, right? So Mm -hmm. I find myself just one more, just one more. And I have to stop and ask myself, and I want you guys to ask yourself this question too when you find yourself getting distracted. Is the action I'm currently taking getting me closer to my goal or is it preventing it? So if my goal that day is to pour 500 candles, that 
scrolling on TikTok is absolutely not productive. So you have to start to ask yourself, what's your goal? And is what you're doing actually supporting it? Like Jess was talking about earlier too, the other thing that people get really hung up on is that they overcommit to things. So you have to be mindful and intentional with your time and your schedule. So be mindful to what you're committing to. And it's okay to say no to things. And in fact, you're going to have to say no to things in order to preserve your time and your sanity. But when I'm talking about commitments, I'm not just talking about with other people or externally. I'm talking about commitments with yourself and your own tasks as well. So like Jess was saying, you have to be realistic with what you are scheduling for yourself because we like to overestimate how quickly we can get things done. My advice to everybody is however much time you think something is going to take when you're marking it on your calendar or your day, double it at least. At least double it because If it doesn't take you as long as you set aside, that's amazing. Then you can move on to the next task because I would much rather be ahead of schedule than behind schedule. So just reiterating reiterating what Jess said, totally, totally overestimate how much time something's going to take you. You know, like double. If you think it's going to take you an hour, you schedule two. And you will find there's significantly less overwhelm when you appropriately give yourself the time to do things. Something I have done in my own business is if I think, for example, that me and my team, it's going to take us two days to ship everything, right? Like I'm like, we got this two days. I will tell customers on the website five to seven business days because business days does not include the weekend. So it gives me even extra cushion. And why is that? It's the same concept because I want to under-promise and over-deliver because when they get their order in three days, they're going to be like, wow, I was not expecting that, right? Like that that came a lot faster than the five to seven business days and they're going to be impressed. Worst case scenario, something happens and I have to take the full seven business days. Guess what? They were prepared for that. So ensuring that you plan like this prevents burnout, prevents anxiety, it prevents stress, it prevents overwhelm. And Keep all of your tasks feeling good by removing the time crunch because nothing feels worse than the pressure of a looming deadline closing in on you. It's suffocating, right? So take the struggle out of it. You are the one that decides what to do with your time and how long you want things to take. Stop putting so much pressure on yourself. I've learned that this last year. The only person putting pressure on myself is me because I decide the time frames. So do the same thing with your business or with your life, even if you're not in business, you decide. The other advice that I have is pretty practical, but I'm going to go through it because I think it's going to be helpful for people, especially if you have a business. But if you don't know, I ha- I own Wilson House Candles, right? So I put out these huge collections every month and my goal is to sell out of the collections. And so I have thousands of moving pieces, like literally thousands of candles, hundreds of orders every month that are moving around like Tetris, right? So I have to stay very disciplined and organized with my calendar. Otherwise, the entire thing is going to fall apart. So I plan, I look a whole month ahead of time. I I know even months ahead of time, certain months that I have to order my inventory. I know for the year sometimes what months I have to order inventory because I planned out 
my collections for the year of how many candles I wanted my goal, right? That's on a like macro level, huge, but on a micro level, I will take my month and I will literally put down my goals of like what I need to accomplish that month, whether it's, you know, a thousand candles just as like a round number, whatever. So I sit down and I plan out day by day my entire month. And I have days I prep my jars. I have days I pour candles. I even assign which fragrances I'm pouring on certain days. So I'm very on task. And I have the days I mark to order supplies or that I have to make a TikTok or post a TikTok or send out a text to the text club. Like I have everything planned out because if I don't, that is setting myself up for failure in some aspect of my business. And this is all through, you know, a year of trial and error. I am I know that I'm probably not even as efficient as I could be, but for me right now this is what's working. So I suggest that you sit down for the month, figure out what your big priorities are. Is it that there's a soccer tournament this, you know, three weekends? Is it that you have X amount of orders that have to go out? Is it that, you know, you have a vacation? Like figure out what your big the big stuff is and you work your way backwards. So I also build into the calendar days off. X amount of days off. And what I do is I take them when I need them. I don't take them on the days I build them in. I take them when I feel that I need to take them. And I know for some people that have conventional jobs, that's not always um, accessible to them. But if you have a business, I do suggest doing this. I have days that I kind of tentatively put in the schedule. But if I wake up on some Tuesday morning that I was supposed to go pour for you know, 400 candles and I'm just like, I can't, I'm wiped. I take a day, I plug it in, I take that day off and I use the day that I tentatively took off to put the tasks in. So I base my calendar strategically, but then also on feeling because this is what keeps my sanity is I take the breaks when I need to take the breaks and I have it like cushioned into my calendar to be able to do that, like ad lib time off when needed. And it preserves my productivity. It preserves my joy in operating this business. And I do not guilt myself or belittle myself. I simply just take the break. And I'm preventative now with burnout and fatigue. And I did not always operate like that. If you listen to our last episode, my first month full-time in business, I missed our entire family vacation because I was so disorganized and because I took way too much on. This year, the whole month of August, I've pretty much taken off. So there's a huge stark difference between how I was operating last August, where I was literally working 16-hour days, day after day after day, trying to hustle, and this year where I'm like, I just took like three and a half weeks off, and it's totally okay, you know? My point is that you're basically looking at your month and you're triaging your tasks, right? And then you're further triaging them per day. So what tasks can wait? What's urgent? I look at the factors when I'm deciding to make my priorities, right? Like Jess was saying, can something wait till next week to do it? Or is it something that needs to be done tomorrow? So you triage. I'm a very kinetic person in that I have to handwrite things out. I have my agenda. I have a calendar that I take with me everywhere. I have to like have that tactile writing to be able to have these things stick in my head for certain things. But there's an app called Trello, T-R-E-L-L-O. And it's really, huh? 
Yeah, we use that for bare woods. Oh, yeah. And it's it's really good if you enjoy like having the technology for planning. Um, I don't like Google Calendar. For me, it just doesn't work. I have Trello. I haven't played with it a whole lot. But basically, Trello, you can make all these different lists. And um, what Jess was talking about earlier when she puts everything on a uh, paper, that's called a brain dump where you're just taking every task that you can think of and you're just putting it on paper because it takes the chaos out of your mind and it puts it on paper so that you can actually look at it and organize it. So you can have your first list on Trello be like a vault, basically your brain dump of everything you have to do. And it could be five months from now that you have to get your oil changed or something. You put your whole list on there and then you can see everything that's been running around your brain causing all this anxiety because you didn't know where to put it. You see it all in front of you. And then you can make all these sub lists on Trello so you can start to drag and drop the tasks to the appropriate list. So maybe you have a list three months from now. Maybe you have a list a month from now. Maybe you have a list of next week and tomorrow. And you start to drag and drop all of these tasks into the appropriate boxes. And then all of a sudden, you see in front of you what felt very overwhelming is now doable because you've triaged all of your tasks. So that is something that I recommend for people um, in order to feel more in control of the tasks in your life and have a beat on it before you're being reactive to them, right? It's like a proactive way of being. So when you're triaging, like Jess was saying, you take the non-negotiables, you figure out day to day what your non-negotiables are, do them first in the beginning of the day. Because naturally, I don't care if you think you're a night person or not, um, naturally, we're productive the first half of the day. It's when we have our most energy. It's when we have the clarity of the day in front of us. Like we have a whole day ahead of us, right? So it feels so abundant in time. When you do the things that are non-negotiables very, very first in your day, once they're done, it's a huge weight off your shoulders. And if you wait longer in the day to do the non-negotiables, then you start to run out of energy and you start to have the dread of procrastination, right? Like all of a sudden that starts creeping in and you have a dread around the task. But if you just tackle it right away in the day, even if it's something you don't want to do, that's even more reason to do it Mm -hmm. the first half of the day. Even the first couple hours that you wake up, if you're able to, do it because it's going to make you feel better the whole Mm -hmm. rest of your day. That's why I started working out in the morning. It's not that I didn't like working yeah. out, but I was just like kind of dreading it in a way, at least mm-hmm. the parts that I didn't like. And now, like I said, the last like day or two, I've been out of my routine. I literally am so excited to get up at 630 tomorrow and go to the gym. And anybody that knows me would probably put me in a mental hospital just from that statement alone because they're like, that's <laughs> someone's holding a gun to her head right now. When she first texted me that, I was like, who are you? You're, you're like, like, who the fuck are you? I'm like, dude, I don't know. I don't know. It was so funny. I've though. turned a new leaf. <laughs> I'm just 2.0. But no, it's good. Like that routine is very, very helpful. It primes you for your day. You know what to expect. And then it's done, right? Like the the dread of the workout, mm-hmm. the dread of doing that stuff. It's like, it's done. You already did the hard part. Yeah. So you can coast the rest of the day because the hardest part of your day of huffing and puffing and working out is done. Now it's like everything else is like you said. It's so easy. You feel like you can do anything yeah. at that point. It's like, I did the hard thing already. So like the rest of the day, I'm good. The last thing I want to talk about for time management, and you're going to be like, mm, this, this, how does this connect? You'll see, I'll full circle it, okay? 
you have to let go of perfectionism. You have to. Perfectionists are usually also the procrastinators. And I will tell you, they've done studies on this. But what they found with procrastinators, because they're perfectionists, Perfectionists often tie their self-worth to the outcome of their project. Liz Gilbert, which I love Liz Gilbert, she says the most beautiful thing about perfectionism. She says, perfectionism is a serial killer. It goes around killing joy, spontaneity, wonder, grace, humility. Perfectionism is fear in high-heeled shoes because it's fancy. It's a haute couture version of fear because we can advertise it as a virtue. So listen to that again if you have to. I think it's beautiful. Perfectionists will hold themselves to such a high standard that oftentimes progress won't be made because the underlying fear is that they're going to fall short. And the thing with perfectionists is you'll always fall short because nothing is really ever to the standards that we envision it to be. They're their worst critic. So Perfectionism will not only make it hard to finish something, but even harder to start something, which is where time management and that procrastination and the dread and all of that stuff comes in. This relates to time because we spend so much of our time perseverating over the creation instead of just getting it done. Done is better than perfect because nothing can be perfect without being done. I heard that somewhere. I don't know where I got it. Done is better than perfect because nothing can be perfect without being done. So if you're finding that you're a chronic procrastinator, ask yourself, is it tied to your perfectionism? If so, you have to work on that. You have to let some of that go. Get it done. Do it messy. From somebody who is a self-identified procrastinator, as I talked about earlier, or have the habit of procrastinating, I too have identified for my entire life as a perfectionist. What I'm here to tell you is in the last year and a half that I have started to shed that and just got stuff done, things happen for you. Nobody else knows that the candle label was supposed to look like this and it doesn't. Nobody else had your vision for it. All they see is the product and they're looking at it and going, this is amazing. And you're looking at it going, it's, it looks like crap. And they're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because to me, all I see is what you've created. And to me, that's beautiful. Nobody else has the vision that you had for something in your head. Nobody else can know that. They just see the creation. And for most of the time, perfectionists will never be happy with what they've created. So you have to start to work on that. Because I guarantee you, if you're a perfectionist, what you're creating is already beautiful. People recognize that. Truly, get stuff done. Put it out in the world. Put it out there. There's so many projects and creations and ideas that have never come full circle, full life because somebody didn't think it was good enough. And here the rest of the world would have been amazed by it. But it just never makes it to the audience that it was intended for. And that's really unfortunate. So, If being a procrastinator resonates with you, I challenge you to unlock that from part of your identity, start to dissect if it's related to perfectionism, and start to let the perfectionism go. You can do things messy and get results. Perfect things later. You know, put the stuff out there, make it better later. Nobody else is going to know. 
I promise. I promise. So I hope that this time management or managing ourselves within time was helpful. I know some of it seems like very straightforward, very like no duh, but if it was, we all wouldn't be running around like chickens with our head cut off all the time. Like we wouldn't be always reacting to our schedule. We'd all be proactive, right? So audit your time, do a truthful audit, see where you can improve, use a calendar, use a schedule. Uh, We'll link Jess's uh, pricing sheet, which includes that scheduling system that she has if you wanted to download it and check it out. Um, Otherwise, you know, I use a good old-fashioned planner, but everybody's different. You'll find what works for you. Bottom line, the nitty-gritty of it is you have to audit your time and be honest with where you're spending it and see where you can make improvements. Here's a challenge to you. When you're done listening to this podcast, open up the screen time report on your phone. It's going to probably be alarming what comes back. Sometimes mine says seven hours a day. Yep. Yep. Seven hours I have spent. And that's not like obviously seven hours straight, but all of us think we have, we don't have leisure time. It's that we're spending all of our leisure time broken up into like little you know, two minute segments here and there of checking an email, picking up our phone to look at the news, checking Facebook, checking TikTok, getting sucked into that. The reason you don't have what what feels like leisure time is probably because you're using it all on screen time throughout the day. So it feels like you're depleting yourself, but really, you know. And that takes longer than just that screen time. Every time you disrupt whatever you're doing, yes, it's going to take yeah. you longer to get back into it. So it's, yes. it's more than mm-hmm. just the the number you see there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would start there. If, if you don't think you have time, think again. I, I'm willing to bet you could cut out screen time. Have you ever heard of the Pomodoro technique for like focus? What? What? Um, I did this a lot. Um, P-O-M-O-D-O-R-O. It's a technique that was developed like, like in the 1900s, 1800s or something like that, like, like over a hundred years ago. But essentially, all it is is you focus on a single task for 25 minutes, and then you take a short five-minute break, work for another 25 minutes, five-minute break. You do that like three or four times, and then you take like a 20 to 30-minute break, and it's actually based off of like cognitive focus, like how the brain works. And it's an it's a technique that I used in undergrad when I was studying because I had focus issues, but like just could not could not focus for the life of me. So when I was sitting and studying for a long exam or finals or whatever it was, I would literally sit down. There's an app I have on my phone and you can get really any app if you just Google or search like Pomodoro or I think the one I have is like called like Be Focused and it literally it will like do a 25 minute timer then five minutes and it will help you kind of keep track of that without having to put a lot of time and effort into it. And um, it, yeah, like I said, it's kind of working along the brain, how, you, how your brain works and keeping No, I've never heard of that. Um, without like overdoing it. So you're more efficient. It's like yeah. an efficiency thing. Well, it makes sense. I mean, it, it, it totally makes sense. Our brains can only focus on something for so long before we get fatigued. That's just science. Like just, you know, most of our productivity comes from two hours a day. And so that makes yeah. sense that, you know, you take mm-hmm. these breaks, but you have, you know, you yeah. have two hours. It sounds like two hours of really intentional productivity and focus. And 
at the, mm-hmm. at the base of everything, right? It's about your intentionality, your discipline, your productivity, your efficiency with time. And so that sounds yeah. like a great tool if you're um, yeah. needing a little assistance with focus. It actually was in the 1980s. I'm, I totally lied, but it was, yeah, a time management method developed in the 1980s by Francesco Cerullo. Interesting. Cerullo. But yeah. I did that like all through undergrad and it was probably the only way I ever got any studying done because I could not sit and focus and look at my notes. That's ever. good to know. <laughs> that was my only, only way to do it. So I'll do that in the shop sometimes too. I just completely forgot about it because it's just been something I've done for huh. so long. Yeah, we'll post, we'll put that in the show notes too if you guys um, want to look into that. So we'll put a lot of stuff in the show notes. I feel like we've been trying to be more diligent with actually putting stuff in the show notes so you guys can refer to it. Um, but yeah. And if we have anything, just message us too, because um, I know we forget because we will put things up later. But if we ever like mentioned something and you need the resource, just like message us. Yeah, yeah, we're do- totally um, willing and able to get you the resources through DMs too. If we forget to put something in the show notes, but we hope that it was helpful for you guys. Um, if you're still enjoying the dropouts and you have not yet provided a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to. It's very, very much appreciated. Um, A five-star review and actually typing something out, it really does help us um, in terms of trying to get in front of new people and growing our audience and who we are able to spread the message to. Um, check out our Patreon. Actually, one I've I have one thing. If one if you guys like enjoy our episodes, like especially if you are listening to this, try to just like share this like with one person, like individually. Be like, hey, this might help. I mean, I guess this episode, like, <laughs> not in a way. It's like, hey, you suck at time management. You should listen to this. But just like a friend or something. Like Morgan and I said, podcast each other all, all the time. time. Um, but that's like such a helpful way to kind of have um to help get our podcast out there mm-hmm. um and it might actually help someone so um i challenge you to yeah do that, that would today. be super helpful That'd be great. um our patreon i know we've mentioned this multiple times but it's only five dollars a month to join our patreon and it helps support jess and i in continuing to make content because as as we both get deeper into our business Um, it just helps us set aside time every week to continue to be able to dedicate towards the research that we do towards, um, sitting down together to record, to finding the resources, to preparing. I mean, there's, we do a lot and we love it, but it just helps us continue to be able to offer that. Um, and then we do have our first book club, August 31st. It's probably not going to be a super long meeting. So just pop on, say hi, get to know some people. We'll talk about the format, what we're hoping to do, what we're going to get out of it, and probably kind of go through a tentative schedule or we're open to suggestions if somebody has a book or anything like that. So August 31st, 7 p.m. Central, we'll put it in our link tree on our Instagram. Yes. And also um, the calendar, our Google calendar through the end of the month. Um, is now linked in our link tree. So you should be able to add it to yours or at least know when the Zooms are for both the Patreon and the book club. So that is in our link Mm -hmm. tree. Yeah, perfect. I guess that's all we've got. We will see you guys next time for episode 18. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) 